1: That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
2: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor at large of Recode. You may know me as someone who can't stand cow impersonators, it's all fake moves, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is David Shavern, the president and CEO of News Media Alliance. It's a nonprofit based in Washington, D.C. that advocates on behalf of hundreds of print and digital news organizations from around the country. Previously, he spent more than 10 years at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. David, welcome to Rico Tico.
3: Excellent. Thank you very much. So
2: we have a lot to talk about, news. We have to talk yeah. about all kinds of things. But let's talk a little bit about your background, because I knew you from when you were at the Chamber of Commerce, and we were talking about all kinds of things like retail and, and yeah, things like exactly. that. So talk a little bit about your background.
3: Uh, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, born and raised. Not um, that far, Dave. Just <laughs> <what
2: you're doing. laughs> I do uh, mothers.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, I was a lawyer for a long time did, mm-hmm. and it represented a lot of strange and unusual people, including mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time at the Export-Import Bank, which was actually a really fun thing to do when nobody knew what it was. It mm-hmm. was actually uh, going around the world. Uh, working on infrastructure projects, of all things. Right. And then I decided to switch careers, and I got to connect at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and got into this whole world of, as they say, advocacy here in D.C., right. you know, jumping into the swamp, lobbying and and, uh, and communications. And I really loved that. And I was the CEO at the U.S. Chamber for— Almost 10 years. And the great thing there was dealing with every different kind of business right. you can imagine. Right, right. Right, every industry out there. And I sort of reached the end
2: there. I'd done that long enough. So tell me about the, what the U.S. Chamber shifted from doing, because you really did, because we got into touch because of Internet stuff. Yeah. But, so yeah. talk about well, how that shifted. Sure. Uh,
3: I, again, what it's for those of you who don't know, the U.S. Chamber is the 800-pound gorilla of sort mm-hmm. of lobbying organizations mm-hmm. in town. Uh, a long base One of, of the many. Yeah, Of the uh, industrial companies, historic industrial companies, and Mm -hmm. uh, and businesses that everybody would think of as being in a chamber of commerce, right? Mm -hmm. And one of my tasks was to really reach out to the tech industry and try to find ways to bring them into the fold of that conversation. Um, one of the surprising things was how much everybody had in common. Mm-hmm. You know like the tech guys like to talk about how how different they are than traditional businesses, how they mm-hmm. have different perspectives. Actually if you look at whether the things they care about, taxes. they care about taxes, right? right. The best right. thing by the way was on Veep. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Julia Lou dreyfus yes. meets that Mark Zuckerberg character uh-huh. and he said uh we're post tax. You know, <laughs> which, you know they uh, for me crystallized everything about Dealing with uh, the tech business, uh, right. in that they they may not have identified with the chamber, but their issues were very yes, much the they same. they
2: suddenly seemed to like money all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just realized that. So,
3: and uh, so, as part of that, I was, and I think you and I had met. I was mm-hmm. spending a lot of time in Silicon Valley dealing with those folks. Mm-hmm. And then I got a call about. The, what was then the Newspaper Association mm-hmm.
2: of America. Yeah. Um,
3: and it was immediately— It used to be
2: a very big, powerful organization. It used to be
3: big, and then right. it shrank mm-hmm. tremendously mm-hmm. Um, and was in some trouble, frankly.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And they asked me whether I'd be interested, and I'm like, well, listen, I'm a big consumer of the product— Um, The fact of industries being in transition Mm -hmm. didn't really scare me very much. I dealt with everybody. I spent two years of my life talking to domestic manufacturers, right? right? I mean, those guys have been disrupted. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. So, uh, and what I saw was an industry where, oddly, even though they've been disrupted, the audience for the product is bigger than ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not. They're not the coal business, right? right? The coal business people want—nice <laughs> people, by the way. I know a <laughs> lot of people in the coal business. Not a great business. People don't want what they make as right. much.
2: My family's in the coal business. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but
3: pe- uh, Again, tough business. You nice You'd be surprised people.
2: how many people still want coal. Yeah. But go ahead. I, uh, it, my my brother is in it. But yeah. people
3: consume the news product way more than ever. Sure. Multiples of right. peak print era, right? right? So I was like, well, this is something— this is an intellectual challenge. It's important. It matters to our civic society. Right. So let's let's try to figure out the bridge to that future, understanding that we have an audience, and right. that's a good thing to build a bridge from.
2: Right, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's called. it was called the Newspaper Association. Now it's not. To explain the shift in tone for what it's supposed to— who does it represent?
3: Sure, 2,000 publishers um, from legacy newspapers to now we have some digital-only mm-hmm. uh, news organizations. And uh, you know, one thing about newspapers Paper is it was really, whenever you said newspaper, people heard thunk, you mm-hmm. know, it was the thing that hit the driveway, yeah, sure, right? And really, I wanted to have a conversation about the future, the, the news publishing business in the mm-hmm. future. And as part of a whole range of changes we were making at the association, uh, I said, listen, we got to, uh, we're news media. Our connective tissue is we hire and pay reporters. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. And everybody who does that should be, Eligible to be right. in the association, right?
2: And that's been like the, the news media. Media that's online, it's sort of been just the way the the tech people have been fractured. There was an internet association, and then it didn't have you know it was just yeah. went back. These people didn't like to associate necessarily. Right. Um, they had now they've hired cra- like crazy. We'll talk about Google and Facebook's lobbying power, but. Yeah which was negligible and now is massive, essentially, in Washington. But they didn't organize—like, the online news business people didn't. It was sort of an adjunct to news from what I—I I mean, from my experience.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you looked at the legacy publishers, they started out like having a separate digital division. They did. Washington right? Post that, had
2: one across the rivers. So they didn't all, unionize. And, and, like
3: um, and r- frankly, I was also used to businesses who said, you know, we're not joiners. Right. Right. We're the, right. Right. Uh, right. And we're new and we're different and we mm-hmm. have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom line, what's become clear is that you have some folks who have a print business, a mm-hmm. declining print business, by the way, and some folks who don't. But otherwise, we're all in the mix together and trying to build a digital future for mm-hmm. this business. Mm-hmm. And there are very few – uh, business model or or other distinctions uh, between the two sets.
2: So talk about the declining part, the newspaper part. Where yeah. how do how do you look? How many members had you had? What's the makeup of it now?
3: Well, we haven't had that many declines in actual membership. You know, despite what the president says, there haven't been all that many failures in mm-hmm. the in the news business. We'll get to uh, that. What you have is uh, for a lot of legacy publishers a declining print business, mm-hmm. which by the way is still quite lucrative. Right. And what people don't get is it still pays for <laughs> most of everything. Yes, it does. Um, a friend of mine does print. At it a, used to really pay. Yeah. Okay. A friend of mine does the print at a very digitally focused news organization mm-hmm. everybody would know about. Uh, but he does the print part, and they never talk about the print part. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just want him to buy me lunch every once in a while. <laughs> and thank, thank me for paying for everything. Right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, people can get very... Um, callous sophisticate about their digital news consumption, but Mm -hmm. please understand, for the most part, it's still heavily subsidized by print products, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But those are declining, declining steadily. Mm -hmm. So, you have a declining business that still makes money, an exploding digital business, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where the audience is many times what it was, even Mm -hmm. in peak print era, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make nearly as much money. if at all and so it's managing this uh, this runway mm-hmm. so on the runway is getting closer to the end right. of how do we build a digital future Understanding that this thing that still makes a lot of money is declining clearly. Right. I don't.
2: What, what about the numbers of news organizations? I mean, you just saw Gannett and the and then uh, the Cox Papers and things like that being sold off to hedge funds and things like.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of consolidation going on. Mm-hmm. Where we've lost is super local community newspapers. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, a statistic that 1,300 local and community newspapers have have gone away. Mm-hmm. Um, you have not seen broad based failures, particularly at regional or uh, major newspapers, but that doesn't mean it's pretty, mm-hmm. right? And if you look at the financials of uh, the public companies, it's rough. Mm-hmm. It's rough out there. So we are—we haven't lo- yet lost a lot of major publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of consolidation, a lot of cutting going on, trying to make it to. Well, the, let's uh, talk feature. about the
2: consolidation because just you know, hedge fund companies buying newspaper organizations yeah. is not a good formula for success, because especially when those hedge funds organizations are known for cutting in order to squeeze out either real estate or whatever they're looking for, often yeah. real estate, actually.
3: Yeah. You'll find the people who are doing better mm-hmm. have actually invested in the journalism. And mm-hmm. obviously, people always talk about the New York Times and, yeah, got that. They're okay. they're doing great. But Minneapolis Star Tribune or what's happening at LA Times and stuff, people, they're reinvesting in the newsrooms. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out that's what people, people want to consume. And the folks who are just cut, 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 uh, is a, that is a circle-the-drain kind of strategy. Right, right. absolutely. Uh, and it uh, is not building for the, for the future.
2: But, but when, when these companies do consolidate, what happens then to an organization like yours? How do you manage it when you, when you think about what, where do you see consolidation going?
3: Well, there's going to be a lot of it this year, potentially. Right. I mean, there's a—between what's happening with Gannett and— Cox. And Tribune and, and all the rest, there's a, there's a lot at play currently. Consolidation in and of itself doesn't scare me so much because um, there's two things. There's consolidation on the business side. Right. And then do you still have reporters and journalists in these communities? Right. And if consolidation on the business side can help sustain the journalism, then great okay if it's just a means to cut everybody and cut more then i think that's going to end up being a losing strategy over the long run so and also consolidation now doesn't mean what it did In the 80s or 90s. Right. We'll talk about that. Yeah. uh, It is not like these legacy news publishers have monopoly voices or monopoly power in any circumstance. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are folks who pay reporters and trying to do great journalism and trying to make it work economically while they're print is declining, and the digital isn't making a lot of money.
2: Mm-hmm. And so when you have that, you, do, you don't represent broadcasters. Or I do not. Women. You no. do not. That's another whole organization. Yeah. But they're news organizations. so yeah, They're absolutely. seeing a very big shift in ownership and everything else. So all ma- means of news delivery is shifting really dramatically.
3: Yeah, and it's all going online. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you actually talk to a lot of my members about their primary online competition mm-hmm. is often the local TV station's Website. Website. Yeah. Their, yeah. Now, the, the one thing about uh, TV stations, and uh, first of all, we're all converging into this digital space. Mm-hmm. But local TV, historically, yeah, they did some reporting, but a lot of the reporting they did was out of the local newspaper. That's right. They did, yes. <laughs> okay, I so, recall
2: being at the Washington Post, and and, enjoying seeing my story. And yeah.
3: And so. <laughs> and so, as we're uh, we're all kind of converging in this digital space, uh, I, I think one of the challenges for local broadcasters mm-hmm. is, like, where they— if, if there's been cutbacks in the local newspaper or newsroom, mm-hmm. where are those stories coming from? Right. Um, we've been supportive, by the way. There used to be rules that the local broadcaster couldn't know in the oh, local yeah. newspaper. And I actually— um, Doesn't matter. I said, listen, we're, we're ne- as an industry, we're neither dead nor monopolists, but mm-hmm. we definitely can't be both. So, right. like, you know, the, the idea that they could— Combined. That was a
2: long time yeah. issue. I mean, yeah. mostly because of Rupert Murdoch, if I recall, yeah. <laughs> it was based around the idea of too much influence in a city, yeah. in a big city, that they would own the the local news and the local paper, and and,
3: and by the way, have monopoly power in things like advertising, right. which now is ridiculous. Right, right.
2: Exactly. So, how would you assess? And then in the next section, I'd like to talk about the big uh, Google and Facebook, essentially, yeah. which dominates everything, and how you look at them. How would you assess the market right now that you represent?
3: How do I assess it financially? Mm -hmm. Financially, it's very stressed Mm -hmm. because, again, these declining print dollars aren't being replaced by sufficient digital revenue. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, at the same time, though, we're more central to the public conversation. People are talking about journalism Mm -hmm. more than they were even three or four years ago. And our president plays a role in that. We'll get to that. But there's a... There's an understanding of of the importance of journalism in society that just people are more aware of. So, mm-hmm. in a strange way, while we're financially stressed, we're also more central and more relevant than we've been.
2: Right. All right. So, when, when you set it up to where it's going, the big challenge for all these things, besides figuring out their new business plans, is the, the ascendance of Google and Facebook, essentially, in the yeah. digital advertising market. Because that's where they're heading into, which is big headwinds.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And two things, well, I got a lot Yeah, we're going to get to it. We have a whole section things. for
2: you. <laughs> but Let's set that up.
3: Listen, in the traditional newspaper sense, uh, we had the most direct relationship you could have with a customer, right? We made a physical product, mm-hmm. and we walked it up your driveway right. and handed it to you while you're in your bathrobe, right? But in the digital space, first of all, there are two companies that now sit between us and our customers in terms of the delivery of content determining everything about that delivery, but who also then absorb an increasing and accelerating proportion of the digital ad revenue. And by the way, you're reaching into localities. They, you know, Google didn't used to have advertising products for your local florist, who was an advertiser in the local paper. Now they do. And so, the advertising monopoly is expanding. Uh, at the same time, we we actually count on these folks for, as a Delivery and distribution mechanism. Right. It's a, it's, it's a challenge.
2: So we'll talk about what that challenge is. We're here with David Shavern. He's the president and CEO of the News Media Alliance. It's a nonprofit based in Washington, D.C. that advocates on behalf of hundreds of print and digital news organizations. We'll talk about the impact of Google and Facebook when we return. Did
0: you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there
2: We're here with David Chavern, the president and CEO of the News Media Alliance. He represents newspapers, digital news organizations, and others. And we are just talking about the strength of Google and Facebook. Talk about them and how you all look at them because you've been pretty tough on them and they've, they've had a been. pretty tough year. So talk a little bit about how you see them in the, in the atmosphere, what they're doing to the atmosphere.
3: They're our regulator. Mm-hmm. The government can't regulate the news business, First Amendment. But these guys can, and what That's I mean—that's a really
2: loaded sentence. What do you mean by that? They regular.
3: determine which of our content gets delivered to who, in what priority, mm-hmm. how it's monetized, whether we exist on their platforms or not. They stand between us and our audience and determine everything about that relationship. And that power is a threat, certainly, mm-hmm. and it has been because it, we have not had a good interaction with them. But well, one of the things I always try to tell them is, you know, it could be an opportunity. They, they could. We need better technical solutions sure, for the news business, mm-hmm. and they're there, and they could be a way to deliver great, high-quality content to people. If they have a fake news problem, guess what? We're in the real news business. Mm-hmm. So why can't we have a better, more productive so relationship? I, you know, I wrestle with that all the time. The— As you know better than I, dealing with uh, tech firms for a long time, getting their head wrapped around what could be a socially positive thing that's hard to do technically. You know, mm-hmm. if, uh, again, they're the hammer people and the rest of the world's a nail. And if it's not an algorithm answer, they have a real problem with it. Mm-hmm. For companies that talk all the time about the amazing things they've done for the world, the amazing things they can do, mostly what they tell me is they can't do stuff. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yes, they become stupid. They, you know, it's like, well, that's impossible. I can't do it. I, and po- you guys just <laughs> said mm-hmm. you can change the world in right. all these positive ways. Well, and, not that world. <laughs> yeah. Um, And, you know, news and journalism and the human world is difficult, complicated, messy place, right? Right. And they don't really want to touch it if they can help it. Right. Uh, But they're kind of okay if they roll over it and crush it.
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What a nice way of saying
3: it. And and, – and uh, what I tried to say is, listen, I, I, I know this is messy, mm-hmm. uh, and you're not going to have perfect solutions, but um, we can help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we produce good stuff. We actually pay people to go out and do journalism. Right. And if we can thrive with you— And you can increase, improve the sweet-sour ratio of good information to bad. That's good for you, too. Right,
2: Right. And this
3: isn't impossible. Well,
2: there's two parts to this. There's one is they control the means of distribution or the current way people get a lot of their news. I forget, you know, Facebook is 97% of news in Philippines, for example. They control the pipes, essentially. But then they also want to own the digital advertising market, which is the lifeblood of how you make the stuff that goes over the pipes, right? right? And But they don't want to be a media company that makes the stuff. <laughs> um, and so they allow just any old crap to flow over it, yeah. really, pretty much, and don't regulate it very much or think about regulating or provide tools for people to do that. or And they essentially leave it to the listener or the reader or the audience to determine what's crap and what's not. Like, it just, it's just the most—they take the best, juiciest parts of the steak and then leave the shit behind. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, really exactly.
3: Don't... And, you know, here's what I ask of them. Okay. First of all, it's always good to talk about money. Mm-hmm. Money is a good thing, and, you know. And they license other kinds of content. They license music. They mm-hmm. pay the music. <laughs> if if Britney Spears is paying in the back of Grandma's video on Facebook, uh, Facebook's paying for a license for that, mm-hmm. you know, share of ad revenue. But the algorithm's hugely important. You know, they could reward original, quality journalism from sources who actually pay reporters over Macedonian teenagers, mm-hmm. right? Just serve more of our stuff. Uh, Brand suppression is a huge challenge for us, which Mm is— Explain that. When we were younger, there's always been crazy conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. We were younger, it was your crazy uncle over the dining room table, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That source was different from what was on TV, Walter Cronkite or whoever— and the paper that landed, and those were clearly different sources. And the Internet Blender, all that stuff is delivered to you exactly the same way. Right. And they, uh, in every way you can imagine, suppress the origin of the information so that you don't—it's very hard. It puts a big onus on the public to figure out where—is this Crazy Uncle Joe? Is this the New York Times? Right. Uh, So the brand suppression thing, particularly in a business where trust is a key part of what we're delivering. Mm-hmm. Is a huge business problem for us. Um, but if you increase the brand, the problem is your relationship then isn't necessarily with Facebook, right? When people say, I got my news on Facebook, I think Facebook likes that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, oh, I read the New York Times or the Des Moines Register on Facebook— uh, they, you know, that's a brand interfering with that relationship. So right. uh, so they suppress our brands, and that's danger- That's bad for us in the trust business, and that's bad for the public. For
2: what do company. you imagine they do that part? What, t- let's talk about that idea of distribution of wanting to, and, and, and contrast Google with Facebook if there is a contrast.
3: Oh, there is uh, a contrast. So, why do they do that?
2: And by the way, I'm only talking about those two because they are the only two that matter. We can talk about Apple News, which is see- coming up. Yeah. So, and go ahead. I'm
3: happy to talk about that sure. as well. But right. yeah, those are the. This is. A
2: it's really a Google, Facebook group. world.
3: Right. Why they do that? I think they want you to be attached to their brands, and they want you to stick around. And sticking around may mean reading whatever,
2: mm-hmm.
3: whatever keeps you interested. Interested.
2: Whatever right? is viral.
3: And uh, if, it is, uh, if it is stuff that doesn't you know may not catch your attention for a minute, there's all those sort of automated disincentives to that. So I, I think it is kind of the end point of what were probably rational decisions on their part of keeping people engaged. Uh, now, the, the two are different. Facebook's been more difficult, mm-hmm. and I wrestle with why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Google is getting a better sense of the importance of news and the news business, they do control discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, And they control what gets surfaced at the top and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you do a breaking news story, it it pops up at the top of the search results. But guess how long it stays there? It's your story, by the way. Mm -hmm. It usually stays there for about six minutes before it's been copied and screwed over and people pay priorities right. over top of it. So they they make a huge number of decisions in the discovery process that impact what you get to see and what you don't get to see. Um, but I, I'd be happy to compare and contrast a l- more, but I, I think Google is seems to be wrestling with these at a, at a deeper level, mm-hmm. uh, at least currently.
2: And then Facebook?
3: <laughs> Facebook's a t- <laughs>
2: <laughs> giant thigh. <laughs>
3: Facebook's a tough one. Uh, I haven't gotten the same sense of real sensitivity to what journalism is and the importance of it to uh, to society from them. It's been a more difficult relationship, and I think you'll hear that commonly from a lot of news publishers. Mm-hmm. They seem less receptive to comments and complaints. Um, but that can improve. You know, that can get better. And you'd understand their internal culture better than— I think they uh, could care less. Okay.
2: That's what I would say. Yeah. I don't think it's a, anything negative or positive. I think they care less about a lot of things. They don't think about it at all. Yeah. They don't have any um, interest in it. it uh, Obviously, Ger, they did don't.
3: you read Chaos Monkeys? Yes, yeah. I did. I
2: know. Yeah. I Antonia and I spar almost very frequently on online. Uh,
3: there, I like him. a lot. There was that one piece in there about Facebook's this engineering enterprise, but there's this thin layer of sort of communications and legal and other things on the outside. Mm-hmm that uh, most people interact with. So most people talking to Facebook, you're not talking to people who can change the machine, right? change the product. Right, absolutely. Know. Mark can change the product. But right. There, uh, but if you're—and it's very hard for us to find the people who can change the machine in ways— to help journalism, right.
2: right? And so, what? And then the third would be Apple News. Would be would be there. So this is there. This is just the distribution part. i want to get to the advertising in a minute. So, and that there would be Apple News. Which is how do you look at that?
3: Um, th- let Let me talk about the current product, mm-hmm. current Apple News product. First of all, it drives lots of traffic. Mm-hmm. L- you'll just be see people's traffic numbers are mm-hmm. off the charts from Apple News. They have no
2: other business but to drive it. That's why they right. have nothing else.
3: But it also produces almost no money. Right. For a whole bunch of, there's technical advertising and, and they take cuts. They're not plus, in the advertising business. And they only allow certain ad units or whatever. So the common refrain is it drives a lot of traffic and, by the way, it doesn't even pay for the coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. My one, actually, my one serious complaint with the current Apple News product is it doesn't have local news in it. Mm-hmm. It's a national and general interest. The only local news is stuff that pops up. And that is both a cause and effect of one of the dilemmas in local news in the sense that Apple is saying this is what people want. Okay, but also you're not exposing them to local, right? Mm -hmm. It it ends up being a de facto suppression of local. Mm -hmm. A big challenge that local news has had broadly is what I'd call nationalization of news interest. And this was before... Trump, but it's certainly been accelerated him by him, where the public spends relatively more time and attention looking at national and general interest stories as opposed to local right, than they used to. Right,
2: which is, is borne by online.
3: Right. And that makes it hard for local news publishers. Mm-hmm. But that trend is also accelerated by things like Apple News and other products that don't even surface local news for you. Right. So it's kind of, okay, kind of um, some good some blah Apple News. Now they've they're they've proposed or they're talking about a new subscription layer in Apple News, where they would take the five dollars out of the nine ninety nine. Really, they've surfaced very few details mm-hmm. uh, about that so far.
2: And then uh, the, the the digital advertising market. Yeah. It's now pretty much owned by Facebook and Google and now Amazon's sort of slipping in off to the side in yeah. terms of products which is always a big mainstay of local news and 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 national news. How do you look at the digital advertising business cuz while they're maintaining their platform they're already sucking all the like I said the juicy bits out.
3: Yeah, I mean we're I've, I'm coming from an industry that had huge advertising businesses but mm-hmm. online in the data wars, you know, we're never we're never going to have the data to compete with Google and Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, and as long as advertising online is geared around who's got the most data about Kara Swisher, mm-hmm. then more and more money is going to flow to those folks. Uh, y- you know, you can't—you can scream at the at the weather, but you're not going to change it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we're not going to win a data game. That doesn't mean we, we give up all of our advertising products or we don't have some unique things to offer advertisers. But the trends towards the money going to Google and Facebook and to some degree Amazon are accelerating because, you know, it's, it's a data game.
2: Right. And then what so what do you do about that?
3: Well, I don't know that we as news publishers can do anything about it. I think there are anti-competitive and monopoly concerns to that, yeah. yeah, related to mm-hmm. that. And I think what we also forget is how recent the understanding that they were going to take all the ad money is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's last. It's really last three or four years. Until then, other people thought they could build ad-based businesses. Not me. <laughs> the, the, no,
2: they're vacuum cleaners. Yeah, They'll take everything.
3: But it became statistically very clear, like, three or four years ago that, oh, wait a minute. Like,
2: they get all of it. Right. I used and, to call them the Borg all the time. I <laughs> said, that's mean, Kara. I'm like, no, they're the Borg. They right. just will wander through the universe sucking up everything that's valuable. Like, or
3: And, and frankly— uh, In my membership, who are digital only, Mm -hmm. you know, they've obviously faced that uh, front and center, right? All their digital ad dollars are getting sucked away by Google and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And by the way, they don't have a declining print business.
2: Right, to live on. No, no, at the same same time, they they suck up everything, and then they don't have the responsibility of the platforms. They don't have to pay for what it costs to do the news. But they get all the benefits. Like, that's really—it's a simplistic way of doing it. I'm sure Antonio would say that, but it really is. They get all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff, and that's why their businesses are so good because they don't have the costs.
3: Yeah, and also they're not doing much to sustain the people who are incurring the costs. Does that feel like
2: charity to you? Some people, like, say it shouldn't be charitable. I'm like, well—
3: do you mean like they're three hundred million dollars over three yes. years? Yes. What do you think of those? Uh, charity yeah, isn't going to solve this problem, right? I mean, charity of that. I was like, charity's nice. I mean, what the hell? But um, that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need something that is going to is going to actually be a sustainable relationship over over a long so time.
2: Suggestions? Because this is, we're referring to the hundreds of millions of dollars that um, Facebook just recently put under news, which I was like, why well, wasn't it a billion? But that's just me. Like, you know, yeah. it wasn't a really substantive amount of money. Yeah. Um, and
3: uh, by the way, a lot of that is for using their products. Yes,
2: of course it's, it is. You're kidding? It's like Microsoft and the like the, that pad that they were going to use in yeah. third world countries. Oh, as long as you use a Microsoft product, that sounds great. You know, of course it is.
3: To some degree, this is similar to the argument. People think that there are going to be philanthropists who are mm-hmm. going to fly in and save or everybody yeah. or billionaires or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I've uh, actually a number of my my members are owned by billionaires. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've learned about them is for the most part, they don't like to write more checks. No, they don't. They'll write a check, say, here you go. For the most part, they don't necessarily re- require a current return. Mm-hmm. I you don't have to send me a check every year. Just, but they don't like to write new ones. Mm-hmm. So that means you still have to build a sustainable right, exactly. thing that pays for itself. In right. the same way, the charity, uh, the charity's not going to sustain this thing. Mm-hmm. We, we need a, a business arrangement that provides value to the people who who hire reporters mm-hmm. and by the way we then provide you good content so you've less fake news problems right, right. and that's money that's data you know they hoard all the data about our own readers mm-hmm. At the same time, they always tell us you need a closer relationship with your readers. And this is also another Apple news problem, by the way, which is you need a closer relationship with your readers. We won't tell you who they are, by the way, just as long <laughs> as you're cool with that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. We're here with David Chevron. He's the president and CEO of the News Media Alliance. It's a nonprofit organization based in Washington that advocates on behalf of hundreds of print and digital news organizations. When we get back, we're going to talk about these billionaire owners and also about what can be done about this going forward.
4: Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact.
2: We're here with David and the president and CEO of the News Media Alliance. He represents news organizations as they continue to figure out how they live in this new digital media environment, dominated by Facebook, Google, and to an extent Apple, and soon Amazon. What to do? What to do? You know, you go to them and say, "We want to provide you a better organization." They don't clean up the fake news. They don't clean up. You're sort of, uh, you're sort of in a dirty city. That's, I think of it as a real <laughs> dirty city. Yeah. Like the, I call it the purge every night. What can be done? What now? First, there are regulatory ways to do this, right? Yeah. Where's that right now?
3: Here's what we've asked for, which is uh, we've asked for the ability to collectively negotiate
2: with the mm-hmm. platforms. Oh,
3: interesting. So. Interesting. Under the current antitrust laws, and this is based in uh, a precedent from the booksellers in Apple, Mm -hmm. the antitrust laws protect Google and Facebook from us. Mm -hmm. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Mm -hmm. They protect Google and Facebook from us banding together, Mm -hmm. right? And so we've got a bill that was introduced by David Cicilline, chairman of the House Antitrust Subcommittee, that would allow uh, would allow us to band together as an industry and negotiate collectively with them. Mm-hmm. And what would we negotiate? This we, is what
2: you were doing in Europe. They were trying to do in Europe.
3: Yeah, there are proposals yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. No, they're doing well. it, yeah. We're negotiating over money, data, brand suppression, algorithms. Right,
2: so they can't keep you separate. And Exactly. Okay.
3: And by the way, they negotiate with other people. The music folks get a right. deal. Mm-hmm. You know, where's the deal for news? And But the only way we're going to get there, apparently, is to be able to band together and have one— Industry voice. How likely
2: is this bill going to pass? Actually, I'm
3: feeling uh, there's that old saying, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they get mad at you, then you win. Mm -hmm. I think we're moving from laugh at us to get mad at us slowly. So Uh, what
2: happens? Because they've got lobbyists coming out the union. Oh, a lot
3: lot of lobbyists. A lot of money.
2: These are people who used to disdain Washington, I just want (laughs) to say. I've been on so many receiving ends of them going, we don't move in Washington, and now I'm like, is there someone you didn't suck up, some horrible lobbyist you didn't suck up?
3: We don't have much leverage, but we have some. Mm-hmm. And the some with who? Yeah, well, with, with politicians, mm-hmm. policymakers. That leverage comes from the fact that news is important, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Nobody's asking for congressional hearings about fake cat videos, mm-hmm. right? The, that news has is seen as important to the republic in a way that is disproportionate to maybe other kinds of content right and making the argument that we're at a precipice with the news business in a world where print is declining and we need to live off this digital world we need a better deal from these platforms and by the way if we get a better deal we actually can have a sustainable good business for for the country and and ultimately one that would inure to the benefit of the platforms as so well so one
2: is collective bargaining with them yeah. essentially the second cleaning up their platforms
3: up. I mean, How does that
2: happen from a regulatory point of view?
3: Well, I don't know that there's a, a government answer for. Well, Section the 230. Section 230.
2: You don't get immunity. You have to clean up your.
3: Dirty, yeah, it, dirty, dirty let me, I mean, Section 230, the interesting things about it is, you know, my guys are responsible for what they, they put in, in right. the paper. That's right, me get, too. They can get sued Me too. all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the only actually parts of our business that have a 230 protection are like the comment sections, right. of, and we still moderate those. I mean, there's nobody mm-hmm. who doesn't manage those and moderate those. So this, the 230 played an interesting role in helping the whole yeah, ecosystem develop. So yes, what do you develop? imagine should
2: be done with that? I'm very interested in Section 230.
3: Well, the interesting thing is they're sort of already half pregnant because they have the 230 protection. But also, Zuckerberg says at the hearings, we're responsible for what happens on our sites. Right. Yeah. Okay. Those two things are...
2: Well, should bigger organizations not get the protections from 230 and keep them for smaller organizations, for example?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think... They could do that. Yeah. uh, Applying 230 to Google and Facebook currently, uh, particularly as it's, yeah, as they've uh, applied them, I think is well. They don't behave; ridiculous. they won't
2: behave because they don't have to behave. That's and
3: important. it can't be they're protected and we're not.
2: Mm-hmm. The content
3: creators aren't right. We want
2: every, we want the consumer to be protected from yeah. all of you. I don't mean to. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. the whole point.
3: Yeah, I don't see a reason why they get those two thirty protections. So uh, where given is the
2: size. that? Where is that on?
3: They where I mean politically, where that is is there was a crack in the door With on two thirty, uh, Sesta they, and Fosta, right? Uh, there are going to be new cracks in that door. People are going to talk about opioid sales and other things. But we need to have a bigger conversation about content mm-hmm. and the future of the news business. And that's part of what I'm trying to drive. Ooh, okay. To
2: um, what about in cleaning up that fake news? That's one way to do it. It, it. Do you see any antitrust actions being taken on these companies?
3: Well, on the advertising side, I understand some, something like Google uh, and the Google Ads
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, ad side, they own all sides. Yes, they do. The sales side? the plat- the exchanges in the middle, the buy side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, they also participate in all those markets themselves as right. their own independent player.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah, they frankly, like that game. That's yeah. a good game. That's
3: yeah. a actually a very good They're thing. They're so smart. And by the way, there have been other industries in the past that have been able to do that. They just, you just can't do it forever, right? right. Uh, eventually, the antitrust authorities come knocking. Uh, they, movie theaters. They were allowed theaters, to... Yeah. to acquire a lot of businesses at times when the federal government was asleep at the switch. Mm There has to be some analysis of the uh, the role that they play in the advertising markets. Now, do I think that's going to win back ad business necessarily for news publishers? I'm not I'm not necessarily willing to make that argument. But I, I think it's obvious that at some point when you're getting 80-plus percent of digital ad revenue, somebody's going to say,
2: hmm,
3: you yeah. know, that sounds slightly anti-competitive. Right,
2: mm-hmm. right. And do, But is there any move on the Hill to do that? I mean, there's stuff going on in Europe for sure. Absolutely. Which goes too far. I think right. a lot of people feel the right thing. Mean, I mean, forgotten the copyright stuff. People are
3: uh, there's hints about it in the ecosystem, and certainly David Cicilline in the House has talked about holding hearings on antitrust in the platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an area where the U.S. government has put a lot more investment in turn, in terms of developing a new policy, researching the impact of these platforms on these markets, and really bringing some regulation to bear. I mean, it can't—you just can't sustain this trajectory. Now,
2: does the current mood pushed by Trump, uh, President Trump and others, uh, hurt that, the idea of fake news? He just did it this weekend again, in large caps. Now, the fake news is— Oh, the fa- i mean,
3: know. I mean, uh, what I How
2: do you react to that as a— uh,
3: The uh, groan— um,
2: yeah, but First it's all, dangerous. Listen, oh, it's really dangerous. On, like, what a silly.
3: It's really dangerous. Uh, listen, I represent fake news at the, in his calculation. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, that rhetoric is horrific. And the, what he does to individual reporters is really bad and, and dangerous. I don't think it's going to impact these debates about the role of the platforms. Mm-hmm. What I try to use it as is saying an opportunity for us to talk about who we really are mm-hmm. and the value we really provide. You know, he says this, here's what the here's what we really
2: are. But you're on his agenda. You're talking about whether you're fake or not.
3: That's Yeah, that's... but I I that's a good point. I also try to be very careful not to get sucked into whatever his latest tweet is. Mm-hmm. Right? About fake news. I, I Do You think it, it
2: has a real impact or is it just him screaming?
3: No, you see you see the rhetoric picked up by people. I mean, look at on TV about his rallies and stuff, people chanting fake news, people, I mean, we hear it all the time. I think it is... I'm not so
2: sure those were buyers of newspapers, (laughs) but okay.
3: No, but it's, it degrades the Mm -hmm. public discourse Mm -hmm. in a serious way and becomes the sort of shutdown Uh, response to things. That's fake news. Mm -hmm. Do you have Um,
2: anything to do about it? I mean, you have CNN doing things. You've got other—it's not just newspapers and print organizations, but it's also broadcast networks and other
3: things. Actually, we have a whole public education campaign called Support Real News, where we're out trying to— Is news
2: literacy enough anymore? Is there enough news literacy?
3: That's a really good question. Mossberg is working on this. I mean, it's it's really important, but understand— in the internet environment, for the reasons I talked about before, we put a big burden on users much Absolutely. more much more than ever in the past. right so the can- answer can't be well f- we'll just keep educating these people about while well, we shove garbage at them, yeah you're never going to have enough news literacy mm-hmm. to overwhelm. The, the garbage. You need yeah. a system that rewards the delivery of good, high-quality content. Mm-hmm. And, yes, have news literacy, but also have the responsibility in the platforms about what they deliver and do. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, I want to finish up talking about the ownership by all these internet zillionaires. You've got uh, Mark Benioff, you've got Be- Jeff Bezos from Amazon and the Washington Post, you have Mark buying time, you have Lorraine uh, uh, Powell, Job. yep. uh, Powell Jobs uh, buying things, Talk about that. Like, and there's more. There's more rumors. There's rumor of Ed Williams buying things. You have rumors. You have Medium, Ev doing, Ed Williams from Twitter doing Medium. How do you look at all this? I
3: mean, there have always been rich families owning owning media. Uh, That's actually not necessarily a a, a new thing, right? Yeah.
2: Those Um, Kentucky people, what were they?
3: I think you've got examples of where it's really worked well. The Grams? Yeah. And by the way, look at the Washington
2: Post. Yes. Right? Yeah.
3: Where they really make investments. This is inv- Bezos. Yeah, invest mm-hmm. for the long term. Mm-hmm. I mean, and look what's happened in L.A. I mean, Dr. Xu doing some great investments. I mean, um, well, It couldn't get worse
2: there. Could it? <laughs>
3: what it's I, like the worst. So I, I, that's one kind of owner I right. have in this industry. Mm-hmm. What I'm very careful to say is, listen, let's not wait to be rescued by the billionaires.
2: Right. Okay? That's not my policy. Yeah.
3: So because first of all, for the you know again. You still have to make it sustainable. This idea that billionaires are going to keep writing checks to fund losses at something, that ain't—that's not the billionaires I've run into um, right. over time. They can provide long-term strategic support, really carry things through. But that underlying business still has to pay for itself.
2: Why do you think they're doing it? What do you, what do you, you ever think about it? Because it's not—it's either hedge funds or or internet billionaires doing this. It's a really interesting. There's not some new—well, I guess Patrick. Well, no, he was a tech—he's a tech person. Yeah, he's a tech guy.
3: Um, I think they're doing it out of, uh, for the most part, a real civic sense, Mm -hmm. because I don't think the billionaires anyway are doing it to make money. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they care about journalism. They uh, very much care about their communities. Note that you don't have billionaires buying chains or, uh, you know, 50. They tend to buy— in some uh, local, locality that they care about. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it usually it comes out of a, a good civic sense. Uh, there's relatively few examples of somebody trying to drive coverage one way or the other mm-hmm. or those other things. And I think that's a fine model. But, again, it's got to pay for itself. And right. you know, we got to solve these business uh, structural issues because right. the billionaires are not going to save us. Right or not? I'm,
2: you're kidding. They think they are. They don't want I to taxed, That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, they're post-tax. Gosh. I literally posted one Elizabeth Warren thing. It was a good explainer, and they, ah, they went crazy. <laughs> oh man, yeah. man, sometimes yeah. I'm like, how rich can you be? Like, well, well in- it's not going to be innovation. I'm like, I'm certain there's going to be innovation, <laughs> if, whether you have another billion dollars or not. That's my guess. But
3: uh, I, you know, again, you're, you're all your political figures now talk about oh, we need the power of philanthropy to save journalism. Mm-hmm. Listen, ph- philanthropy is fine and good, yay. Mm-hmm. But that can't be shorthand for. Oh, by the way, there's no business here.
2: Right. So, what do you think the big businesses should be? If you think about them, let's finish up talking about that. What do you? What is promising? Give me a, two or three examples of what you think is promising. Subscriptions. What?
3: Oh, subscriptions definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a way. Podcast. Podcasts is super lucrative. I've mm-hmm. heard it. Just they are. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the worst ever. Don't the, get into um,
3: it. Uh, subscription is where everybody is focused on. We do need actually more technical solutions for journalism mm-hmm. and if I could digress a minute, if you talk to anybody in tech, they always like models from something else that works. So Uber Mm -hmm. for, right? Mm -hmm. Uber for dog walking or whatever. This is mental model. Mm -hmm. When it comes to content, they always say Spotify for, right? Mm -hmm. Spotify for news. Interesting ideas, uh, but, or micropayments is the other big one. Mm -hmm. A couple things to keep in mind when compared news compared to music, though. First of all, our back catalog is not super valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You may have listened to Ella Fitzgerald this morning, but something tells me you didn't read about Jimmy Carter news, right? No. We're one-time only consumption, right? You usually don't read news articles over and over again. You do not. And trust, and the biggest one is trust, is a huge part of the transaction. You mm-hmm. have to know where it's coming from and have some trust in who developed it, which is totally, you know, as long as it sounds like Ella Fitzgerald, you're kind of pretty okay. Right. Right, so. I think that's a
4: fair point.
3: Um, we're going to need technical solutions. You can't just say Spotify for news unless it really invests in this trust component, right? Uh, and builds that and builds that attachment to the brand. All these ideas that disintermediate people from the brand are disastrous.
2: Right, right. I'd agree with you. All right. So, are you positive or negative? How are you feeling about your job?
3: No, oh, positive. I mean, more people consume more stuff than ever. Mm-hmm. Like millennials, I
2: do. I think it's. Crap that they don't that they need it in little bits or snackable.
3: No. Actually, if you do if you do data around this, mm-hmm. the thing people value most is big, deep enterprise data. One hundred percent. That's really what they value, and uh, millennials consume much more than we did at that mm-hmm. age because they can. Right. It's available right. easily
2: in lots of ways. That's the, that's yeah. the difference is understanding lots of ways and reaching people in lots of ways. That's the one thing that a lot of traditional news organizations don't get. Yeah. They stick with just print or something like that.
3: No, I mean you get people. People where they are, but it turns out people are, are much more available Absolutely. than they ever were before. My kids consume tons of news. but well, when I
2: started this podcast four or five years ago, something like that, they were, so many people in traditional news services just like, you know, millennials don't want to listen for an hour. I'm like, yes, they do. And they're yeah. like, no, they don't. They they don't. They like it snackable. I'm like, stop using that word. And they're like, snackable. I said, stop. Like, if you do it again, I'll have to hit you. Like, I was like, they want it. We're going to do it now, an and we're going to see. Like, I, I bet they do care about longer, substantive, like treating them like they have a different. There's certain things. The, how they consume it and where is different from what.
3: You know what I mean? No, my kids—this gets quickly anecdotal, but mm-hmm. I know my kids consume huge amounts of long-form content.
2: Yeah,
0: Documentaries do
3: on Netflix. Right. My kids are both in tech, right? Mm-hmm. So they're at a computers, and they listen to podcasts like eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Back a million years ago when I was in Philadelphia, Terry Gross was mm-hmm. in, a Philadelphia interviewer then. You know, her original broadcasts were two-hour interviews. So they were. And I, they were fantastic. Fantastic.
2: Uh, she is still fantastic. Yeah. She remains fantastic. Yeah. She's, the, she's the best, absolutely. Anyway, David, this is really great. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or <laughs> (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Wherever you listen to podcasts and please tell a friend about the show. Spotify, yay. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. David, where can people find you online or your organization?
3: Newsmediaalliance.org And Mm -hmm. I have a great Twitter handle, by the way. What is it? NewsCEO.
2: At new CEO. Yeah. Nice. Well done. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.